You are listening to the Piedmont Church Podcast. To learn more about Piedmont Church, including our gathering times in Macon, you can visit us online at piedmontchurch.net. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn there with me, Luke chapter 3, Luke chapter 3. If you do not have a copy of God's Word, I'd love for you to have one. You can slip up your hand. We have some in the back, and an usher will be more than glad to bring you one of those. If you don't own a copy of the, the Bible, we'd love to give you that one as a copy. You can take it home. Uh, we believe in the, the authoritative word of the Lord and not my authoritative word at all. So anyway, let me, uh, let me just start off by saying I think it's an amazing morning that we can gather together and hear testimonies from believers. I think the story that God has woven into each one of our lives is an important story. And I want to encourage you as you go out and minister and you make relationships with people in this world, your story matters. And, and you might be thinking, well, my story is not, it's nothing like some of these guys that we've seen on the screen. And I want to tell you that to God's eyes, it is. Your story is just as important as theirs. It doesn't matter if they got a Hall of Fame ring or if you work at the Walmart. It is what it is. Your story matters. And God has you right where you are meant to be. So with that being said, I want to dive into this idea that you've never met me before. Some of you going, I have never met you before, and that's great. This is going to work perfectly. So we've never met, and I, I'm kind of a forward guy, so I walk up to you and like, hey, let's, let's go grab a cup of coffee this week. And so we, we pick a time and a place, and we go get a cup of coffee, and we sit down, and my first question to you is, okay, so let's just get through it. Who are you? Tell me a little bit about yourself. And so you start going where? Where's the first place you go? You start off maybe... Where you're from? Well, you know, I was raised in this city and in, in, in that state, and I know kind of these people. I'm going, no way. I, I, I know some people from, from there. Like, what high school did you go to? And you start telling me your high school, and you're all giddy about it. I'm going, yeah, they're rivals. I don't like them at all. But great. That's fantastic. Thank you for sharing your story. And so we, we continue to talk. And then the next thing you start telling me is a little bit about your family. Hey, here's, here's my family. Uh, you know, they're kind of these people. They're eccentric in this way. And I'm going, this is TMI. You can just kind of fast forward a few years. But you're telling me a little bit about your whole background, where you're from, your stories, your family. And you get to this moment. You're like, you know what, just kind of cement a little bit about who my family is. Let me tell you this funny kind of anecdotal, anecdotal story about my childhood. I was actually left one moment at a place, and you're, I'm going, wow, you had fantastic parents. They let you somewhere, right? And you're going, yeah, it really wasn't as bad as you think it is. And this story, this interchange that we're having, is similar to what Luke is doing for us with Jesus. So in the first couple of chapters of Luke's gospel narrative, he's unpacking the childhood, and he's unpacking the kind of adolescent years of Jesus. And what we're going to see today is he's going to transition us from kind of the backstory of the Messiah to the full front, here is what is going on, and here exactly who is Jesus before you. And he's going to then tie that to some other stories that you may not have ever been aware of, some stories from the Old Testament. And he's going to make this entire picture, this, this kind of art in front of us, and the purpose of it is so that you and I can know just as if God had his hand in Jesus' story, in the story of all the creation, he has a hand in your story. And so how will you respond to his hand? Will you respond to his hand in a way of going, yes, God, you can author my story? Or will you say, no, 
I, I think I'm going to make my own path. I think I'm going to do my own thing. The, the, the title of, of this sermon series is called First Things First. How we can prioritize the right things in our life. And our bottom line today is this. We need to learn how to surrender to God and know that He has a purpose for us. And that is the only way that you will ever find meaning and fullness. And we're going to hopefully see this very quickly in Luke chapter 3. I want to read those verses for us one more time as Brother Danny read it earlier. Luke chapter 3 verse 21 says, Now when all the people were baptized. So basically what's happening right here is John the Baptist has been gathering people outside of the city for a while. And there's been a lot of people coming. He's been baptizing them in repentance, kind of getting ready for this coming Messiah. And then it says, and when Jesus also had been baptized and was praying. I want to pause there. Here's something beautiful about this place. So John is baptizing people left and right. There's droves of people that are around, and he's just dunking them in the river and moving on. Pharisees have come out to, to kind of, you know, get at him and say, hey, what are you doing? And he's looking at him going, you're a brood of vipers. Go ahead and get out of here. You're not going to turn from your ways anyway. And here's what I love about King Jesus. He could have said, hey, let's, let's get all the people out and let's do this in private because I'm royalty. Now, what does he do? He comes down right in the middle of everything, right in the middle of the mess, right in the middle of the naysayers, right in the middle of all of the world. And he goes, John, I want you to baptize me. And John's like, whoa, I, I can't do that. And he goes, yeah, you can. Why not? And here's the king of the world, king of the universe, king of everything you've ever known, comes down, not only in human form, live as, as a child, grow up as an adult, but now he says, I want to be baptized just like the rest of you. He comes and he's be baptized and was praying and it says, the heavens were open and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, you are my beloved son, with you I am well pleased. In this moment, Luke is shifting the narrative. Luke is absolutely getting us to understand and hear that everything I've said to this point has led to this moment. And now I want to affirm for you who this Jesus is. Is. You've heard about the prophecies. You've seen the great works that we've, God has already done through the parents and through the cousin of Elizabeth and Zechariah. And now before you, I have the King. I have the Son of God, Jesus. And I need you to see who this is. And a voice comes from heaven. This is one of the first pictures in the New Testament. We have the Trinity working in, in full together. Right? The, the father says, this is my son with whom I'm well pleased. And the son is then performing the will of the father. And then the spirit comes in here and affirms both the father's will and the actions of the son. And three in one are doing this dance to say, look at the holiness and the worthiness of Jesus. Here he is. And if you remember back to the reason why Luke wrote this entire thing, what does he say? He says, I want to give you assurance. I want you to know that you can trust what I'm about to say. And right here, he's connecting all of what has been going on in the past to this very moment. Everything that has led up to this place has a purpose. Think about that for your story. Think about your past. Think about your failures your struggles, 
Think about the things that have happened to you in life. And, and maybe you, you've been like me at moment, and, and, and you look back at God and say, why, God? Why did you let this happen? And, and we're, we're angry, we're tight-fisted, and we're looking back. Why would you do this to me? Why would you ever let this happen? Why could I lose this one and not that one? Why, why, why could this go this direction and not that direction? Why would you do this to me? And in so many ways, when I read this text in Luke chapter 3, as we're going to dive in here in just a moment to some of the latter verses, God's looking back at us and saying, everything in the past has led to this moment. Will you choose to follow me through it or will you not? Your week, your month, your year maybe has been difficult. And you found yourself in this room this morning on football Sunday. Some of you are going, I don't even watch the Super Bowl. I don't even know this today. Who's playing? Somebody asked me, we had the colors, I guess, or the walking colors were gold and red earlier. And somebody was like, did, y- did y'all picking the Chiefs to win tonight? And I'm like, dude, the guy who did that didn't even know he was in the game tonight. Like, <laughs> no chance. <laughs> so I am picking the Chiefs tonight. But, um... Anyway, here's the beauty of this passage. God knows that we doubt him. God knows that we we struggle to believe. And through the work of Luke, inspired by the Holy Spirit, what he's about to do in these next several verses is he's going to paint this picture that all of history, as you and I know it, has led to this moment. And I think the beauty in this is that all of your history has led to this moment this morning as well. Luke chapter 3. The genealogy of Jesus, verse 23. I don't have it up on the screens, but I want to read this for you. Jesus, when he began his ministry, was about 30 years of age, being the son, as was supposed, of Joseph, the son of Heli the son of Mathah, the son of Levi, the son of Melchah, the son of Janai, the son of Joseph, the son of Matthias. Are y'all keeping up yet? The son of Amos, the son of Nahum, the son of Elslai, the son of Nagai, the son of Math, the son of Matthias, again, the son of Simeon, the son of Josesh, the son of Jodah, the son of Jonan, the son of Risa, the son of Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, the son of Neri, the son of Melchi, the son of Adai, the son of Kosam, the son of Elmadam, the son of Ur, the son of Joshua, the son of Eliezer, the son of Joram, the son of Mathat, the son of Levi, the son of Simeon, the son of Judah, the son of Joseph, the son of Jonam, the son of Elechium, the son of Meli, the son of Manai, the son of Mathatai, the son of Nathan, the son of David, the son of Jesse, the son of Obed, the son of Boaz, the son of Salah, the son of Nation, the son of Aminadab, the son of Admin, the son of Ami, the son of Hezron, the son of Perez, the son of Judah, the son of Jacob, the son of Isaac, the son of Abraham, the son of Terah, the son of Nahor, the son of Serug, the son of Rehu, the son of Pelag, the son of Eber, the son of Shelah, the son of Canaan, the son of Aphrax, the son of Sheham, the son of Noah, the son of Lamech, the son of Methuselah, the son of Enoch, the son of Jared, the son of Malahal, the son of Canaan, the son of Enos, the son of Seth, the son of Adam, and the son of God. Now think back how long the son ofs are. This entire narrative, this entire picture, God had in place from the very beginning. And this is what we're going to see, that God created the world in perfection. He said it was good. 
And then he looks at creation. And he says, subdue it. Live. Multiply. And Adam and Eve then chose to do something that he told them not to do. To eat of the tree. He said, don't, don't eat of it. And they ate of it. And what happens in that moment is the fall. And what a lot of times people think is that, okay, when the fall happens, God then comes up with this plan. But when we read back in this genealogy, that's not what I see. That's not what the Bible speaks. The Bible speaks that God knew that we would fail. He knew you would fail. He knew you would come up short. He knew you would make that wrong choice. He knew that you would constantly rebel against Him. But even through it, He gave you a way out. He gave you redemption through His Son. So we have this beautiful, beautiful creation. And then you have the fall. And if that was the end of the story, then there's no reason for us to be here. There is no worship. There, there's nothing. But it didn't stop there. Colossians 1 says that Jesus is in all things and is before all things and he holds all things together. And so the person of Jesus, the triune son of God, before all things, knew that you would rebel against him. Knew that you would fail and you would go to write your own story. Just as many of the stories we heard this morning. And yet he says, you know what, I'm going to write a different story. I'm going to write a story of redemption an ultimate restoration, and I'm going to give my son as a humble sacrifice to this world. And for anyone that would receive him, anyone that would accept him, they will receive eternal life. See, just like there was a plan for Jesus in restoration and redemption of this world, there was a plan for you. Psalms 139, verse 13, it says, For you were formed in my inward parts. You formed my inward parts, excuse me. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Hear that, for you are fearfully and wonderfully made. Even the days you look at yourself in the mirror and you go, I am not wonderfully made. I, 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 I am full of fear and anxiety and depression. I don't like this about my life. I don't like this about my body. I don't like this about whatever's going on in my career. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. You Right where you are, just like you are, God sent his son to die on a cross to redeem you and restore you just like you are today. He didn't say, hey, go clean up, hey, go get this fixed, go do this right, and then I'll accept you as my son or daughter. No, I made you, I love you, come to me. Wonderful are your works, Lord. My soul knows it very well. Even through failure, even through struggle, the one thing that I, I need you to hear today is in order for you to put the first things first and to prioritize things in your life and to have shalom is what the Bible says, to have wholeness, to have fullness, to have a life of enjoyment and pleasure, what you need to do is you need to surrender to God and know that he has a purpose for you. And the only way to see that purpose is to become less that he become more. That is when you will find meaning and fullness. Tony Dungy didn't, you know, his story didn't say, you know, I found all that I needed in the Super Bowl championship. I mean, we, we could show you story after story. You could look at Deion Sanders and Tom Brady and some of the other greatest NFL players that have ever gone in time, and they will tell you 
They were searching. They were searching. They were at the best of their game. They were the MVP. They were the Super Bowl this. They were the championship that. And at the end of it, they still felt empty. Because there's only one thing that's ever going to fill your cup. And it's the thing that was created to fill your cup. It's God. And so in order for you to kind of experience the fullness of life, Jesus says, abundant life, you need to recognize that you need to stop writing your own story. Your story matters. All, all the things that have happened to you have brought you to this moment right here and right now. The good, the bad, and the ugly. And Lord knows we've got some ugly in our stories, don't we? And those are the things that we think we want to hide. We, th we think those are the ones we're ashamed of. I don't want anybody else to know that because if they knew this about me, then they would never. And Jesus says, I know it about you, and I still do. Now come. Lay it down at the foot of the cross. What Luke is saying in this passage as Jesus is going to begin his ministry and he's going to show us his mighty works in so many different ways, is he's saying the story of your life was written before the, time, before the beginning of time. The question is for you today, are you going to let down the pen and let God pick it up? Revelation says your name is written in the book of life. You going to let him write it? Or are you going to keep holding on to that pen? You going to keep holding on to that pen and saying, "You know what? This, this is this is all I've got. If I just if I could just do this, then God, I'll go. If I could just get that raise, if I could just get that person, if I could just get this thing, if I could just do this right, then God, I'll give you the pen." And I don't know if you know this or not, but it doesn't work like that. Because as soon as you get this thing, it won't be enough. And you'll go looking for the next thing. And all you're really doing is you're holding the thing in your life that you think will fill you is really the pen. But your ink's empty. You need his. So lay it all down. Right now. I don't know your story. Maybe you've been going to church your whole life. Maybe, you've, maybe it's the first time you ever walked into a church. And you go, man, I, I don't want to do this right now. I, I, got, I got lunch plans. Let me tell you something. This moment was ordained for you right now. So that being said, everybody close their eyes, bow their heads. I know that there's, there's a lot going on this morning. We got jerseys and music and all kinds of special things. But I don't want us to lose count that this moment was ordained for you to know the gospel. And the gospel is this, that God created this world perfect in harmony and unity. But mankind rebelled against God. Because of that rebellion, our world was broken and shattered. And we received death. And God put together, or unraveled I should say, this plan of redemption. And it began by understanding the law, and it began by recognizing this, that we are separated from God. That we, we could never meet 
the law. And, and so he put all these rituals and all these things in place to do, all these things that we need to do in order to begin to start to see that we aren't like him. And we fell. So ultimately, he then sent his son, Jesus. Scripture says he, he, he left his throne and came down in humble form of a child. He is both man and God. That's, this is who Jesus is. He walks this earth, lives a perfect life. That, that, that checklist that you and I couldn't make, he made it. And then he was about 33 years old. He was put in front of a judge and a jury. They found him guilty of really nothing other than saying who he says he was. God. And for that, they murdered him on a cross. His followers, his disciples, man, they thought the story was over. They were running and hiding. But the story wasn't over. Three days later, he resurrected from the dead and shown himself to hundreds of people. And he said, everyone who believes in my name, you will not perish, but you have everlasting life. And then he filled his apostles and his disciples and all those who followers around with the Holy Spirit and said, go and make disciples. Go make more followers. Go tell the world about the gospel, which means the good news that you are no longer damned, but you are now set free by the blood of Jesus. And that freedom isn't just for eternity. The freedom is now. Just as we sang, those chains will fall, the fear will bow because of the name of Jesus. And so I want to ask you this morning, with every eye closed and every head bowed, you want to give your life to Jesus. You want to say, I, I'm going to leave everything behind me. I'm going to be like Brady James, who once held these other things in such high accord, and now I'm going to leave them, and I'm going to let them go, and I'm going to become second so that God can become first. If that's your prayer this morning, would you just look up and make eye contact with me so I can pray for you? God, I want to lift up this room. I want to pray that whatever things in our story, in our past, maybe even in our present, Lord, I, I, I pray that we'll remember that you work all things out for good. And so even the, the bad decisions, e even the, the missteps, God, you have allowed us and you have walked us through this life to bring you glory in all ways. Even those who, who don't follow you, in some way, your sovereign hand is over all of the situations and you are working all things out. And so God, we trust in that. We believe in that. I, I, I pray that as a room full of believers, that we will not forget what you have called us to do to go make you known. We say it over and over again 
here, Lord. We want to love you. We want to love others. The best way to love others is to tell people about you. And that is how we invest in the kingdom. God, if there's anyone in here that prayed that prayer this, mor- this morning, God, I pray that you'll, you'll wrap your arms around them. You'll comfort them. You'll give them the need. You'll give them the, the, the ability to just let go all of the things of this world. And you'll show them that you are present in every single moment. I pray that they'll have the confidence and the boldness to, to find someone, a leader, staff person, myself, so that we can walk them through what it means to continue to follow after Jesus, to follow in believers' baptism, to get plugged into a, a small group and find some people in their life to pour into them for the preparation of pouring in to others. God, we know that you've gone before, even this morning, and the battles to come, and we just surrender to you in all things. We thank you for the story that you've given us through your son, and we thank you for each and every one of our stories in this room. May they be used for the glorification and the fame of you and you alone. Help us to become second. It's all these things I said in God's name, and the church said, let's stand up and worship.